Hey everyone, I'm Woj. And I'm Walt. And this is the College Football Rundown. Kyle, it all begins with Mickey Mouse this week over at the United Kingdom and Disney World for game day on Saturday. We got Miami versus Florida, 6 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. How about it? Neutral field at the Camping World Stadium. Interesting fact, Camping World Stadium was location for filming of Waterboy. You remember that movie, Woj? Yeah, I remember that movie. Good football movie, I guess. Kind of a funny football movie, but it is a neutral field. However, it is in the middle of Florida, and it is going to be, from what it sounds like, a very Florida-based crowd. So for a Florida Gator-based crowd, uh, they normally play in the swamp. But again, I think this is going to feel more like a Florida home game than it is a Miami home game for those guys. Hey, in-state rivalry, last face-off 2013. This will be a big game. I don't care what side you're cheering for. It's going to be loud in there. It's going to be great because these guys aren't going to be playing again until 2024, assuming they don't have any postseason matchups, that is. Yeah. Uh, another game, we've got Arizona-Hawaii uh, after that. They'll be on CSNBC at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. How about uh, – do you like Kevin Summerlin, Wall? Is he <sighs> one of your friends? Sumlin. Yeah, he's my enemy. Kevin Summerlin's my enemy. For those of you that don't know, Talil Kate, that's my boy, fantasy football Someone last year came into Arizona, replaced Rich Rod. He, I don't know what he was doing. I think he made some bad calls. And again, that's just my opinion. But it was a rough rough year for him and Khalil Tate. Didn't use Tate like they should have, in my opinion. He's an electric player. You got to give him the ball a lot. He was, you know, subdued with injuries last season. But I think the coaching is the big factor in them in Arizona's demise last year. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to place all the blame on Kevin Summon. We'll see what he does this year. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for college football this weekend. We get two games. That's it. Four teams, but I'm excited. I made some some daily fantasy teams already on DraftKings and FanDuel's. I just kind of want to go over those with you guys. A couple tips before I get into that, just to kind of go over how I pick teams and what I think of teams. Now, it's different because there's just two games this weekend. Well, what what's a good mentality, do you think, for when there's – a limited amount of teams. What what should you do? What's a good acronym for that? Well, I have to say, you're the man when it comes to daily fantasy football, but you've taught me in this situation, you want to kiss. You want to keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, it's all about keeping it simple. Typically, when you have a bigger array of games, you're looking for that diamond in the rough, the guy that's a low percentage pick by other people. You don't want the guy that's 65% of the people in your contest to have owned already because it just doesn't make sense. You want that one that maybe 2% owned and he pops off. You're looking for that diamond in the rough. But this week, it's all about consistent points based on matchups. You're looking for consistent players, players you know that are going to give you the best chance at winning a fan duels or winning some money. So this week, we're looking at wide receivers and cornerbacks. Let's look at the, the highest point spread game right now. We got over under a 74.5 in the Arizona-Hawaii game. They're looking for a lot of points. Let's look at the Hawaii wide receivers. Let's look at the Arizona wide receivers. Let's look at the cornerbacks on both sides. Are there some matchups there we like? Are there some matchups we don't like? You know, Florida or Hawaii just lost their number one wide receiver from last year. Do, do they have another backup that's going to be good enough to get into that spot to, to relieve some of those star wide receivers they have now to, to score some points? Uh, another thing to look at is points per money, not money and then points. Uh, everybody, a lot of people will just go on the DraftKings, they'll look at the money, and then they'll look to see how many points the guy usually gets. It's all about points per money. 
you can pick up a guy that's cost 3000 on DraftKings. And if you guys all don't know, FanDuel's and DraftKings have a, a budget of FanDuel's as 60000 for your your team and DraftKings as fifty, so you have to keep it within that limit. But say a guy is three thousand on DraftKings and he scores a couple touchdowns, and you have a guy that's nine thousand, he scores one touchdown. Well, guess what? You just got a huge value out of that guy that was three thousand. You could spend that money elsewhere then. Uh, so it's all about points per money. Are your guys making points per money? Another thing to look at is always look at depth charts. In college football, it changes dramatically and a lot. Always look at depth charts to make sure what guys are starting, who's starting, where they're starting, what position they're going in. Uh, think a lot of wide receivers change from slots to, to wide outs. So X, Y, Z. Look at your X, Y, Zs on, on wide receivers. See where they're lining up and then check those matchups as well. Uh, Alabama is a, a huge component of that. I, when Lane Kiffin was there, he would always put an X receiver in the Y position, which the Y position is usually on the end of the line and typically uh, kind of right where a tight end would line up. And sometimes linebackers are those guys that are, are going against them. And some of these linebackers can't keep up with these wide receivers. So it t turns out to be a huge disadvantage for that for that defensive team. So always look at where your wide receivers are going on the depth chart. Now, as far as my teams on FanDuels, I have quarter, two quarterbacks going in my FanDuel contest. So the Superflex, you can pick a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, really anybody. And then there's a quarterback you have to pick. I have Cole McDonald from Hawaii and Khalil Tate in my Superflex from Arizona. It's a high, going to be a high-scoring game, at least I hope. That's the two highest uh, money guys, both in FanDuels and DraftKings. But... I think they have the potential, both of them, to have the highest scoring games out of any of the quarterbacks playing. So hey, I'm picking you gotta, my you. You got to spend money to make money. You got to spend money to make money. So I see what you're saying. It, exactly. They have the they have the two high the two quarterbacks with the highest chance to make the most amount of points. My wide receivers. I have JoJo Ward from Hawaii with a quarterback at, with their highest uh, wide receiver out who had 1,300. Receiving yards last year, looks like JoJo Ward had a great end of the season last year. He had a really good bowl game. Looks like he's going to get a lot more bulk. I'm looking for him to pop off this year. Uh, Jacob Copeland from Florida. He and only one other person, Van Jefferson, are both slotted in the X right now, but they are guaranteed on the depth chart as starting. Uh, there was no other wide receiver on their depth chart that was guaranteed they were all a bunch of ors or ands and you don't want that especially when you want consistent points you want the guys that are going to be out there every play and have a chance to score a touchdown my other wide receiver is cedric pearson from zona uh, if kaleo tate pops off and he's going to pass it he's passing it to cedric uh 100 percent uh so look for him to pick up some yards especially in that hawaii game if it turns into a shootout running backs i have dayton Furta from hawaii he can catch a ball onto the backfield. So you're always looking for those dual threat running backs when you're going for running backs. Or you're just looking for the guy that's a really good running back, like J.J. Taylor. He's by far the best running back out of all the running backs in the uh, in the two games we have going. And Zona doesn't really typically play a running back by committee, which is another thing to look at. They usually just run with J.J. Taylor. And when they don't run it, they just pass it with Khalil Tate. So look for J.J. Taylor to get quite a few carries and what I think, and I'll talk about more about that later early on. I think JJ Taylor will be a, a big impact in that game. 
Uh, my DraftKings lineup is pretty similar, a little bit of change there. Uh, I spread the wealth around a little bit. You saw in the fan duels, I picked a lot of Hawaii, a lot of Arizona, because I think that's where the most points are going to come from. My DraftKings, I have both Cole McDonald and Khalil Tate again. Uh, I have Jared Smart in my flex, which is a wide receiver who is listed as a number one starter on for uh, a starter, excuse me, in the slot for Hawaii. He is $3,000 on DraftKings. So huge value there. It's exactly what I was saying. I'm looking for those $3,000 guys to get me a touchdown, get me some receptions, you know, equal their point value or money value. I have Jeff Thomas from Miami, which was a different one from FanDuel's. He is going to be a slot receiver for the new quarterback down in Miami, Jaron Williams. Jaron Williams is a dual-threat quarterback. He's got a true freshman left tackle and a, right, a redshirt freshman right tackle. So if you just think about that interaction, he's going to be scrambling quite a bit from what it sounds like, and it, depending on how well the ends are. And you're, he's got to have that slot receiver to back him up. So he's got to have that slot receiver down there running a, slant, running a slant, doing something to to bail him out if he gets in trouble. So I'm looking for... Definitely Jeff Thomas to probably pick up some yards, especially there. Uh, I also picked up in my DraftKings Cedric Pearson again from Zona and JoJo Ward from Hawaii. And I have the same running backs, J.J. Taylor from Zona and Dayton Fierta from Hawaii. So, again, a lot of money into that Hawaii-Arizona area, but I think it's well worth it. That's where the points will be. A couple other players to watch, like I talked about before, and I have them in my fan duels lineup, is Jacob Copeland. Uh, great value. He's from Florida. He's listed second on the wideout for the opener. And again, like I said before, there's no ors or ands next to him. He is starting. Uh, he's only 4,200 on FanDuel's and 3,200 on DraftKings. Great value there if you get some points. Uh, so look at that. Malquis Stovall, who is a Cal standout transfer to Hawaii, uh, don't get caught off guard by this because he is pretty valued pretty hard, both in FanDuel's and DraftKings. He will not be starting at wide receiver this week. Uh, it looks like he will be returning kicks at least for this week and possibly transition into a wide receiver role later down the line. Jaron Williams uh, is this new starting quarterback from Miami. Fun fact, he beat out Tate Martell. I don't know if anybody remembers him. He was a at Ohio State, transferred to Miami in it's kind of funny now because he got beat out and now Tate Martell is transitioning to what it looks like to be a wide receiver. Now, Walt, does Ohio State have a new quarterback this year? Uh, I believe they do, Woj. It's just funny. I mean, he could have tried to win the job over at Ohio State, but instead goes to Miami, loses out to this Jaron Williams guy, and then now is becoming a wide receiver. Just an odd fact there, but Jaron Williams on FanDuel's is 7,500, DraftKings 6,100. He's the cheapest out of the quarterbacks and by quite a bit. Stanley Berryhill III from Zona. He is 7,700 on DraftKings, 4,400 on, or excuse me, 7,700 on FanDuel's, 4,400 on DraftKings. Get a, he will likely get a lot of passes, especially if Hawaii swarms Cedric Pearson and kind of locks him down. I think he's way overvalued on FanDuel's. DraftKings, I think he's pretty reasonable at 4,400. So that's just a pick that you can pick up if you need somebody in that slot. Another person that kind of fits the same thing as Jared Smart, who is my flex in my DraftKings team, is Jason Matthew Sharsh from Hawaii. His FanDuel's is 6,500. DraftKings is 4,700. He is going to be a starting slot receiver. 
as well for Hawaii. So look for him to, you know, it's either going to be able, him or Jared Smart kind of getting a lot of the majority of the catches. So he could be another one. Hey, Woj, I know you're excited about Daily Fantasy because that's your jam. My jam, gambling. I'm excited. Vegas has got some lines up. We got some games this weekend. Again, we only got two of them that we'll talk about both of them. We have plenty of time for that. But this is kind of like New Year's Eve and next weekend will be like Christmas. You get that feeling, Woj? Or is that just me? I mean, this this time of the season is Christmas, man. This is this is great. It <laughs> this is, is this is all, right. all the games coming up, all the hype. I'll take that back. It's Christmas time. We don't have to wait till next week. It's Christmas time. We got two games this week. We got Miami, Florida coming up first. We talked about a little bit. Hurricanes getting seven from Florida. Gators giving up seven at that game. Over-unders at 47. You might have a possible hook as of the recording of this anyways, depending what book you have. It's moved from 50 and a half at the open for the over-under. That is, you know, that's not an insignificant move. We're talking about a, around a 6% move. This is not abnormal, but it's something that does catch my eye and I look at. Probably won't take any action on it, but I'll watch it. Uh, Florida minus 280 on the money line. Miami plus 236. You know, you like Miami, maybe jump on them. Plus 236, not a bad number. The gap is widening with money coming in on Florida. That's one reason you might do it. Also, if you're a fade the public strategist, you'd definitely be jumping on Miami. Um, but go over the fade the public strategy a little bit for those that don't know it. Woj, do you employ this in your gambling? techniques absolutely not i hate it oh good that's what i like to hear Woj. maybe it's something i said that rubbed off on you but i don't like the strategy either for those of you that don't know what it is it's uh, basically comes down to the fact that the, the handicappers they set the lines they set the college football lines sunday sometimes monday even tuesday sometimes the public starts betting on one side you know let's say they bet a little too much on one side the sports book needs equal actions on both sides. You know, it can't be lopsided because they just want to take 10% from that guy and 10% from that guy, the minus one tens, and they want half the money on this side, half the money on that side. They're happy to go home with their 10%. There is a little caveat to this. We'll go over it in a little bit. But in order to achieve this, if all the public is betting on one side, the handicappers will adjust their spreads or the money line, whichever, you know, whichever line we're talking about at the time, they'll just these spreads to try to entice betters to take the opposite side so they can get more people on the side that hasn't been bet on. This is kind of similar to supply and demand. If For those of you that know a lot about economics or a little about economics only, it's similar to supply and demand. You know, they have too much on one side, so they change the line to try to get it equal on both sides so people will be jumping on the side that they're not betting on yet. Fading the public would expect that the professional handicappers had it right to begin with. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the professional handicappers. They know much more than all of us. That's why they get paid to do it. But I don't necessarily agree with this. You know, someone who is fading the public, they're going against the less informed public because the line is moving to where the public thinks it should be rather than the handicappers who are the professionals. Again, I don't agree with this. There's a big reason why I don't agree with this. Sports gambling is too big of a market now. This might have worked before, but sports gambling is just too big. How many people a day do you have talking to you about sports gambling, Woj? Uh, a ton. I hear it all the time on the radio, too. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. That's because sports gambling has become big. There's too many sports books. There's casinos. There's offshore, DraftKings, other online books, and then you got your local books. I'm a big believer in the wisdom of the crowds. What this means is... Again, this is only applicable to people's money. You can argue that when money's not involved, you know, people necessarily wouldn't do this. They'd make decisions for other reasons. But 
when money is on the line, the crowds will tell you which outcome is more likely by where they put their money. And I'm a big believer in that. And it goes completely against fade the public strategy. It's actually the exact opposite. I do want to go back, though, and one little caveat that I mentioned before. I don't want the sharps yelling at me after listening to this recording, but I used to believe that the books need equal action completely across the board. You know, in my years of gambling and talking to people and researching, my opinion has somewhat changed. It's kind of gone to the opinion now that the books sometimes entice betters to one side. Why would they do this? They know that the other side has a statistical odd that is worth the risk. So they're trying to trick people into betting on the wrong side, and they want to make a killing by having everyone bet on the wrong side, even though everyone else thought they were correct. I do believe this is the exception, not the rule. It's similar to a Wisconsin offense. You like to watch a Wisconsin offense, Woj? Oh, I'm all over that. Well, I know you are. You're a Big Ten boy like me. But the Wisconsin offense, you know, they're going to run the ball five yards, six yards, short pass for five, run the ball for three, run it for five. Then when they feel that the risk is worth the reward, they're going to go deep. Again, this is an exception, not the rule. But when they do see the risk is worth the reward, that's what they'll do. This is very similar to how I believe that books act. They're not going to do that every time. Most of the time, they're going to grind out their 10%. But when they see an opportunity, they will jump and then try to get all the money on one side on the wrong side. That's something that I've changed throughout my years. My opinion has changed. But I think we're getting a little too deep in the weeds here. I want to go back to just Miami and Florida real quick. I want to mention that this is going to be what I think, and we said the over-under was a 47. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. You have the turnover chain, you know, at Miami. Manny Diaz, who was the defensive corner at the time, who was the mastermind behind it, is now the head coach there. So, you know, your defensive mastermind is now the head coach. Miami's going to be a solid defense. And you have Florida, who's becoming this big powerhouse SEC team. I think it's just going to be a defensive clash. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch in my mind. Uh, I do think Florida definitely has an improved offense over last year, and we'll see how Miami does, especially with their new run, with their new quarterback behind the helm and Jaron Williams and his dual threat. So we'll kind of go and see from there. Their new quarterback coach used to be the quarterback coach at Alabama, by the way, who taught two other dual threat quarterbacks uh, that were both very good how to be a quarterback. So we'll see how that goes. Hey, Miami, Florida, I'm not going to disagree about the under. There's just too much you don't know from these games. I will agree, though, that there's going to be a lot of energy on that field. When you get that amount of energy, those defenses can really shut down an offense. And that, that'll be quite a defense game to watch. I do agree with that. Now we got the opposite. We got the second game of the week. Quite the opposite from what, what we were just talking about. We got Arizona-Hawaii. The over-under jumps out at you, 74 and a half. Second highest week zero and week one. That's actually, you know who they're sitting behind, Woj? Oklahoma, Houston at 82 and a half. That's pretty, uh, it's a large number. Yeah, you got it. It's, that game, though, obviously it features two of the most dynamic quarterbacks, King and Hurt. You know, you got Oklahoma, obviously, offense out there, and then you got Houston's offense. They're going to be slinging the ball around. But in its own right, Arizona has Khalil Tate. He's going to be slinging the ball around. He's kind of like a left fielder just throwing the ball out there at times, trying to get a touchdown from 70 yards away. But if you're one of those people, ah, eh, you're not enjoying what I'm talking about. You don't like gambling right now. You want Wall to shut up. Hey, listen to me. You hear an over-under at 74.5, even if you don't like gambling, it should be a signal to you. This is going to be a very exciting game. If you like offense, this is something you need to watch.
the spreads are, I think, in Hawaii's favor, and we'll go over that in a second. But Arizona's handing Hawaii 11. Uh, what's that first quarter line? That make that that throws me off even more, Wall. Yeah, that, that that's something to look at. It's really interesting. It caught my eye for sure. Uh, like you said, Arizona's handing Hawaii 11. They're giving them three and a half on the first quarter line. Why this kind of you know caught my eye? You have an over under at 74 and a half. All right, picture that. Now you have Arizona handing Hawaii three and a half in the first quarter. If you have an over under at 74 and a half, it's going to be high scoring. There's going to be a lot of touchdowns scored. Now, if they're only giving them three and a half, it kind of is enticing for the fact that really the first quarter is going to come down to who has the ball last. You know, maybe take your shot. Assume that Hawaii is going to have the ball last. They're going to get that last touchdown. They're going to cover that three and a half, no problem. When you have an over under that high and the first quarter line that low, just take your chances with the stat statistics and see how it turns out for you. Again, I probably won't be doing that because I'm going to have another dog in this fight, but it's something people might want to look at. Now, I, I kind of almost understand on three and a half. I think if Arizona starts off with the ball, I think they just pound it on the ground for the first quarter. I think they just put it in J.J. Taylor's hands and just pound it on the ground and then then eventually open it up for Khalil Tate, especially after Hawaii gets the ball because they're going to just open up right away with Cole McDonald just passing it and slinging it. But I think at the start of the game, Arizona's definitely going to try to slow it down on – on Hawaii, at Hawaii, I think that's a big part of it too, and just try to give their defense as much rest because I think defenses struggle, especially early on in these competitions, week zero, week one. I looked over last year's over-unders in week one, and last year 17 overs and only 10 unders. And I, I think that has a lot to do with, I mean, there's other factors in there too with, you know, really good teams playing really bad teams, but I think defenses just start week uh, off the, out of the gun. Um, I think it's one of those things that you work into and get better throughout the season. Hey, I don't disagree with that. That's that's a good point. You make a good point there. Um, we'll see, though. It, Sumlin, you never know. That guy's a wild card. Again, I, I don't have a whole lot of liking for him, but it will be interesting to see how he does this year. In that game, we got the money line at minus 405 Arizona. Hey, I'm not putting down no $100 to make barely 25 Stay away from that. Hawaii plus 325, you know, you want to take your lottery ticket, go buy one. That's where you're at with that. But pure statistics, I think I'd be jumping on the under in this game. It opened at 70, gained a field goal since. The public's obviously betting it up. Unknown Sumlin, unknown Tate. Really don't know what could happen. But if Tate goes off, I'm going to be wrong, and I'm going to live with it. But if I have to put my money somewhere, you know, I'm, I'm jumping on the under in this game, Woj. I, uh, I, I kind of like that. Uh, speaking of your under, we're our pick'em for the week, which will just be for fun. We're not going to count this week because they're just two games. Um, but I think you are taking. I'm taking Arizona Hawaii under 74 and a half. Book it. All right, and I'm taking. I'm my money's in that game too. I'm taking Hawaii getting the 11. Why aren't you taking them on the money line? I not I don't play the lottery that often either, Wall. But <laughs> I'll take him with. I'll take him with the 11. I'll get the 11. All right. Well, we'll see. You know what? If I'm wrong in this one, I'm okay with it. It doesn't count. We're not counting it towards the season. Plus, I got Khalil Tate, as I mentioned before, my fantasy team. So I'm happy if they go off and have a lot of points because Khalil Tate's going to bring me some fantasy points. Yeah. Speaking of fantasy, Walt, what's the big difference between college and NFL? Uh, I know in NFL, from having played it before, 
typically your wide receivers are the ones that are going to be pulling in the most points, like your big time wide receivers. There's some quarterbacks that do really well, um, but your running backs are typically lackluster, things like that. Typically it's your, it's your receiving tight core. What, what do you draft? What do you draft in, in fantasy? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm no NFL experts, but I can speak on college. I'm drafting quarterbacks. I think quarterbacks in college, as opposed to the NFL, again, I'm not the professional NFL, but I do know quarterbacks are dual threats a lot more often in college. They'll pass the ball. They'll run the ball. They'll get you those passing yards. They'll get you those running yards, rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns. Quarterback is very essential, in my opinion, and that's who I'm always going after. I try to keep them if I can, if I can have the best quarterback. But generally, the only position not allowed in flex is a quarterback. I think this is another factor into why I like quarterbacks, because you need that stable, consistent player to leave your roster spots open for those flex players so they can go in and out, running backs, receivers, switch them in and out every week. You know, you got to drop someone, pick them up, switch them out. Don't worry about your quarterback. You get someone like Hertz from Oklahoma or King from Houston, Fields like we were talking about before the transfer to Ohio State, Kelly Mond, A&M. You draft a guy like that, you sit back, don't worry about that quarterback spot all year. There's only one thing you got to do. You mark his bye week, you put in somebody else that bye week, and other than that, you're not doing anything. You're just watching that quarterback rack up points for you. Yeah, I I love doing that. I've been doing that for for years, and we'll go over that in a second. But well, who is the, this Kelly Bryant from Missouri? Oh, oh, Kelly Bryant, he's a lock. You know, he was a dominant quarterback at Clemson. He got hurt. He led Clemson actually to the college football playoffs. He got hurt the next year. Trevor Lawrence, long hair came in. You know, he's your friend, Woj, right? You and him on a first. Yeah, sunshine, first- dude. We're we're tight. That's what I thought. You guys have lunch every Tuesday, I think. But he came in when when Kelly Bryant got hurt. He picked it up where Kelly Bryant left off, and he actually exceeded him in a lot of ways. What happened is Dabo Sweeney, Sweeney for better or worse, people can argue on this all day, he decided to keep Trevor Lawrence in as a starter, and he let Kelly Bryant know he was going to do that, which is rather respectable. But you know what Kelly Bryant's decision was as soon as he heard that. He transferred out. End of story. He's now at Missouri. Uh, I hear, or I smell cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, that's your favorite word, George. They do have a cupcake schedule this year. For an SEC team, you know, the East is weak as it is. They draw Ole Miss and Arkansas from the West. I mean, that is a cupcake, cupcake schedule, and that's why you're smelling them, George. Can you really have any better opportunity than that to come in? Uh, no, uh, not at all. I, that, that sounds that sounds like an easy ride to the NFL to me. Hey, you just think Drew Locke was 66%. Drew Locke was the quarterback last year for Missouri. But you think him with the 66% passing completion rate, with the ability and willingness to run, and when he runs, he's going to get some chunks of yards. This is a player. If Hey, you're worried about the two teams they play this year, Georgia and Florida? Again, the two teams they played? Then sit them out those weeks. Sacrifice those points for those two weeks because it's going to more than make up for it the rest of the year. You guys need to draft this guy. Definitely. Uh, one of those guys that you just got to look at. Another guy from Clemson Wall, uh, funny thing here, is Hunter Johnson, transferred to Northwestern. Uh, Hunter Johnson is in a quarterback competition with TJ Green now that Clayton Thorson's gone. Johnson was uh, at Clemson last year. He was second in his class out of the QBs in 2017, ahead of Tongo Valola, which we all know, from and uh, Tate Martell, which I talked about earlier which probably isn't very good that's the reason he was above him because now he's probably going to be a wide receiver but uh, yeah do you remember him from last year wall 
I remember him. Speaking of what we just talked about, Kelly Bryant got hurt. Like I said, Lawrence came in to replace him. The next game, Lawrence got hurt. He took a vicious hit to the head on the sideline. He had to sit out the rest of that game. Who comes in for him? Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson comes in for him. Played played his heart out. I can't believe all these teams getting these Clemson scraps. This is a player you're talking about now to pick up. You're talking about Clemson's third-string quarterback to pick up, and you're absolutely right, Woj. It's incredible. He's a phenomenal player. He's going to Northwestern, who just won the Big Ten West, looking to be competitive again this year, and now they have a really good – there's no lackluster quarterback there. They went from Clayton Thorson, who's a good, pretty decent quarterback, and now they're going to go into Hunter Johnson, who could be even better. Hey, we'll see. You got uh, Pat Fitzgerald there. We'll see how he call, plays the, or he calls the plays. He always had good play calling. Um, we'll see which one. Maybe they'll do a little dual threats to action too. You never know. Woj, Northwestern's kind of known for that. So. For sure, Kyle. Yes, definitely. Another team to look out for, or another quarterback to look out for in a competition is Washington State's quarterback. Uh, Anthony Gordon and Gage Gerbert uh, are in a fight right now to see who will get that starting job. And we know Mike Leach likes to throw the football a lot. Uh, so either whoever gets that job is pretty much a good lock for a lot of fantasy points. Uh, as of right now, Mike Leach just said after their last scrimmage that Anthony Gordon definitely has the edge. And if there was a game to be played this Saturday, he would get the starting job. So I would just pay more close attention to it. But right now it looks like Anthony Gordon might get the job. You know, I, I took a, I took a whack at when Connor Holiday was playing for Washington oh, State and got hurt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't bring that up. You, oh, I'm so bitter about that. Well, you stole my strategy. I'm saying it on air. Connor Holiday got hurt. You sniped his replacement. I think it was Luke Falk from the free agency list in front of me, and then you ro- rode those quarterbacks from Washington State for the rest of the year since. I am not happy about that, Woj. Yeah, I'm looking to pick up Anthony Gordon if he gets the winning job, too. So we're just going to keep it rolling. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to make sure that does not happen. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. That'll be the end of the college football rundown for the week. Our Twitter, you can get a hold of us at, is at WWCFB. Our Instagram is college underscore football underscore rundown. Our website is collegefootballrundown.com. You can get a hold of me and Kyle, both on the website. If you have any suggestions or comments on the show, we would love to hear them. Our podcasts are all on our website as well, and you can get a hold of us on your, you can watch our YouTube, our podcasts on YouTube at Wall College Football Rundown. Well, I'm Woj. I'm Walt. And this was the College Football Rundown. Have a great first week, everyone.